Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Well, if this is your, your first go at church, welcome. Uh, it may seem weird to you, or maybe you grew up in a, in a different kind of church. We're glad you're here. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, if, you, if you were to read the Bible or just learn about God in normal life, uh, what I would tell you is that God would talk to you about a couple things. One, we're, we're called to love God. There's, a, there's an incredible relationship to have with God, your creator, my creator. But what you'll also learn is this. There are other people in this world. And some of them, not fun to be around. Some of them, you uh, have to live with in the same house. And it doesn't always go well. In fact, if you don't know this, Jesus himself taught us that there are two essential rules to life. Love God <laughs> and love people. Most of us are like, I mean, the God part, okay, but all the people... So occasionally, we as a church, all locations, lean in. We lean into conversations about how to have healthy relationships. <laughs> Loving God is one thing, and many of us even feel inadequate. And, okay, I don't know the Bible like I ought to, but, but then we bring up, but how about the other people around you that maybe, maybe you're married to someone, maybe you're raising people in your life, work, all that kind of stuff. So what we're doing right now, if you didn't, weren't a part of the first week, we're leaning in specifically to the married relationship. Mm -hmm. Some of you, uh, you're, you, you've come to church and you, <laughs> you're not talking to each other. I just find it funny. Because the silent treatment rarely goes, you know what? I gave her the silent treatment and it worked. No, it didn't. It rarely works. <laughs> but we're leaning into the marriage conversation. Now, now some of you are like, uh, I'm not married. Well, it's okay. In fact, I thought Pastor Todd did an incredible job uh, opening up what we're talking about. Let, let me show you just a summary of what we're talking about with the series, just to give you a bit of context to this. Uh, Pastor Todd talked just the first week about uh, how, to, how to prepare, how you prepare for maybe one day, maybe it's really far off. That's at least what I tell my kids, like when you're 30, you have permission. Uh, how you prepare for it. Many times in church, I don't know if you're willing to admit this. Many times in church, we treat like singleness as some sort of a disease. It's not. In fact, it's an incredible time of life that many of us miss 
because we're longing for the next phase. Now, if you are married or plan to someday, there comes a point that you got to move on from just preparing how you prioritize. That's what we'll talk about this weekend. And then, and then we'll go on to how you actually pursue that person the rest of your life. Many times we think, oh, once, once the ring's on the finger, no more pursuing. And that's actually where it begins to break apart. We're going to talk about priorities. So whether you're married or not, you and I all, we need to have a priority conversation. Now, if you've ever flown on an airplane, one you learned it's now a torture device. At least that's what people like me feel like. My shoulders are not designed for the new airplane seats. And uh, I really get acquainted, really get acquainted with the people that I sit next to. And I don't know if you've flown, but many times you're aware of this, that there's someone hired to rattle off a spiel for you. What you're supposed to do in case of an emergency. You know, should you fly from from Rapid City to Minneapolis, what do you do if you land in the water? And you're like, what water are we talking about? You know, all the rules and regulations, things which you're not supposed to do and what you're supposed to do. And I don't know if you've realized this, but every time you're on an airplane, I'm going to ruin it now for you, <laughs> they bring up a priority conversation. It's subtle if you don't catch it. It's the part about the oxygen mask Many of us are, you know, they say if, if there's, there's a loss of cabin pressure and it's tough to breathe, there's going to be things that drop down from the ceiling, or they're supposed to, you're hoping they do, but they give you some instructions. I don't know if you've ever paid attention, but they specifically tell you how to do it, not just to put it on your face, but who to, who to put it on first. You ever catch that? They bring up, hey, you're going to want to, your cute little kid, you're going to want to put the mask on them because you love them so much. You're going to want to do that first. But like, don't do that first. Put it on your own face first. <laughs> and many of us are like, well, okay. And sometimes we think, well, I don't know why you're telling me that. But it's too risky to put it on your two kids or whatever. And there might be some problems. And it's best that if you just prioritize actually yourself first goes against current culture like what but I love my child I know it's not about love it's about this priority and you put it on your face and then you're supposed to help your kids get that mask on it's a priority lesson and what I would tell you I mean I've I've been married for 15 years and my I have learned a lot but I still feel like a rookie. I have not applied every lesson that I've learned. Maybe you're the same. There's things that I've learned and I have chosen to forget them. But what, I, what I've learned in marriage is this, and being a pastor and having multiple conversations with people who've been married, is that priority becomes a problem. This, this whole phase of when, when you're in life, you don't think it, you think that person's just gonna be always you're number one. Maybe you've written it on a card. You're my number one. But I'm going to tell you that many couples after the wedding day, they face a temptation that they did not expect. A priority problem. In fact, if, if you've never tracked it, because I'm a nerd, I like to look at these things. Let me bring you back to your, your dating days. Uh, I'll, I'll show you. Uh, it, it's supposed to feel effortless, just some wisdom for those of you who are currently dating. If it's not effortless, you need to break up now. 
<laughs> because if it's really, really, really difficult work right now, marriage is going to blow up. <laughs> so if you're like, wow, they're, they're struggling, like being faithful as we date, uh, I, you, uh, you need to end that. In theory, a healthy relationship while you're dating, it's supposed to feel effortless. It's just like, we were meant for each other. We're exactly the same. No, you're not, but you feel like it. Now, conversations are full of heart. <laughs> Even when you're texting and you're sending these little cute emojis and it's just so sweet. And when you talk to each other, you make sure like, you're so precious. You're awesome. Yeah, you, you complete me. You know, those kinds of things. The conversations are ooey gooey and, and <clears throat> they're, they're weird. But uh, value is consistently communicated when you date. It's almost like, again, effortless, where you just like stop throughout the day and send a message or even call me, hey, I just want you to know, I think you're incredible. Then everyone else isn't as important. Like, it's immediate too. All of a sudden, the important people, you're like, mm, I don't even know you anymore. This single person has become everything to you. In fact, when, if you're dating at a, a different, certain stage, you, you, you like literally give up your friends. You're like, I don't know you anymore. Stop it. And this one person becomes everything. Uh, there's very few dating conferences, by the way. I rarely meet a dating couple. What are you doing this again? Well, we're going to a dating conference. We just really want to make sure we're dating correctly. Most people don't do that. Or what are you reading? All oh, this book on dating. I want to make sure that I do it right and all that. I just, it's, it, there are some of those conferences, but they're, but they're few. That's, let's compare this to marriage. <laughs> and this is just stereotypical. I'm overgeneralizing. Some of you have actually called marriage hard work. I don't mean that in a negative way, by the way. It's a good, it's where most people who are married would tell you it's not effortless. It requires work. The conversations, though, change. They typically become updates. What are you doing? When are you doing it? And where are the children? <laughs> it's been good talking to you, honey. Talk to you later. They just, if you don't watch it, when you're married, your conversations, not on purpose, you don't like flip a switch and all of a sudden, it just happens. And it's now just updating. Here's what happened, here's what's going to happen, and here's what's happening in a week. Updates. Value is inconsistently communicated. Oftentimes when you get married, you, you don't press in as much as you used to where you're sending random flowers, random, hey, I just want you to know you're incredible. It's inconsistent. Sometimes after a, a bad moment is when you begin to see, oh, I need to communicate value more. Most couples struggle with communicating value as consistently as they did when they were dating. Uh, everyone else is more important. Now, that's not true, but that's how many married couples behave. Uh, honey, I don't have time for you. We have children now. I will see you in 20 years. <laughs> or we both have jobs now. You see, everyone else becomes a bit more important. Your, your number one is now somewhere on the list, and it's not number one. Uh, there's thousands of marriage conferences. 
pastors do sermons on marriage and there's books and and we begin to open up the Bible. I just want you to see the difference. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just we need to bring it up that most people, when we get married, our problems are all about priorities. And if you're married or plan to someday, or maybe you're not even in that season, you just need to maybe re-examine your current priorities. You need to know that God values your priorities. Let me show you this. this I find this profound. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. You read this like, okay, so, so we're supposed to love, love our wives the way Jesus loves the church, and he was willing to die for her. You'll be married. Now, most of us are like, well, I would do that, David, right? I would die for her. I would die for him. I mean, I've thought about it. I know that sounds a bit morbid, but I've processed it. It was epic and, and cool at the time. These visions in my head of how I would stand in front of my wife and lay my life on the line for her, and it would be awesome. And, and I, I, those are cool. And I would tell you right now, if I ever face that moment, that if, if I had to die so that she could live, it would not be a long conversation. It would be like, yeah. But, but here's the problem. Many of us treat our marriages that way. As though we would, if needed, someday to lay our life on the line. Now, I'm going to tell you a a reality that you just should accept. It's likely you'll never have to lay your life on the line for your spouse. But we've become a culture that's full of what I call hallmark marriages. Where you're like, oh, I love my spouse so well on, on Valentine's Day. Um, I don't miss it, an anniversary, oh, it was an epic one. I gave her flowers and chocolate and birthdays, even on Christmas, right? Hallmark, you know Hallmark has invented some of the things we celebrate to make you and I feel miserable, but more or less to give them money. You're so unromantic. But do you not understand that some of us depend entirely In fact, it's become those moments and those moments only that we then pipe up and tell him or her, hey, I just want you to know I love you, right? And I've learned something in my marriage. I've learned something. I was taught early, but I didn't grab a hold of it. And I'm telling you, there's something you need to learn about marriage and, and priorities. It's very simple, but it helps me at least. Don't rely on the extreme when you can leverage the other day. See, this is what we're talking about priorities, right? Now, many of us are like, oh, I would die for her. I would die for him. Okay, good. Should that ever happen? Okay. But the everyday moment, the non-anniversaries, the, the non-Valentine's days, <laughs> do you know that it's likely your spouse is craving that on a non-Hallmark day that you would pipe up and say something meaningful? But priorities oftentimes are out of whack. And God cares about them, and you ought to care about them. Now, now many of us are like, well, so what's, what's the problem with Valentine's Day? I don't really have a personal problem with Valentine's Day. Or anniversaries, those are good. If you miss your anniversary, I don't know if a sermon's going to help you at all. <laughs> uh, 
But another lesson I've learned about life is that if you don't get your priorities correct, guess what happens? Life has a way of realigning our priorities without asking permission. So if you don't grab a hold of your own priorities and if you don't organize your own priorities, it's not that everything just stays still. No, life shows up and says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to create this certain schedule for your kid's sport. Uh, I'm going I'm to be this kind of a boss that demands certain extra hours. And life begins to put things in front of you. And money will change and be different than you expected. And then all of a sudden, there's a health issue. All of a sudden, you're going to a hospital or a doctor of some sort. And all of a sudden, issues in the family occur. And you're like, what in the world happened? And life said, new priorities. No permission asked. <laughs> no one said, hey, tomorrow is going to be a miserable day. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, are you okay with it? Or would you like to delay a week? You notice life never asked you permission. So that's why you and I, before life happens, can we just call when life happens, before that unfolds, you and I need to say, life, you're not telling me what's going to be priority. <laughs> Valentine's Day, we can do whatever we want to do on Valentine's Day. Because I'm leveraging every day. So you've got to align your priorities. So you probably already know it, but... Each weekend, we're giving you a goal, so here's the relationship goal. Uh, protect your priorities. If you want a marriage that is awesome, if you want a marriage that doesn't become a bad statistic, if you want a marriage that's maybe better than your parents or your grandparents, if you want a marriage like, can we actually, classic, grow old together? <laughs> if you want that, protect your priorities from day one. Now that's a stereotypical response regarding marriage. Like, you know, your marriage should have priorities, so go get them. And we're like, priorities, okay. Um, Netflix will be a priority, and uh, uh, eating is going to be a, what, we don't know how to really design our priorities. I would tell you, if you don't know this, that we currently live in a culture right now that struggles drafting priorities. We don't know what to do. So the Bible gives us wisdom. Let me show you a couple things. This will help us prioritize. Very simply, if you take notes, take notes. If you don't, take notes. Here we go. How to prioritize. What will you cling to? What will you not go near? If you want to begin the process of, if we're talking dating, marriage, or something else that you're thinking about right now and God is speaking to you about another area of your life, okay, that's fine. This still applies. If you want to begin to create priorities, what will you cling to? What will you not go near? If you want to know the secrets of this, we apply this to how we even function as a church. But it really fits with marriage. So let's go for the first one. What will you cling to? Obvious answer. Cling to God. Cling to him. See, many of us right now, we wouldn't admit it to our friends, even our family, or really anywhere, but many of us have marriages that they, we wouldn't call them falling apart. It's just that nothing's happening. Again, it's, it fits more with you give each other updates, you, you room together in the same house, but it's uh, the marriage that you dreamt of is, isn't happening. And I would tell you, if you want to regain that, then you begin to press in priorities, a fresh set of priorities. And priority number one, cling to God. Perhaps this is your issue. Maybe only one of you is willing to cling to God. I want to show you something that happened with Jesus. It teaches us a lesson. Let me show you this story. Maybe you've read it before. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a, a certain village. 
where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? You're like, that's what we talk about in our marriage. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken from her. Now, many times, if you're familiar with the Bible, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, but this is a pretty popular story. And some of you are like, finally, I feel, I feel like my life makes sense because this is in the Bible. You're like, that's about as relevant as it gets. <laughs> can, can you just like, envision a little bit the situation? You've you got Jesus, one in your house, which you're like, did, I mean, did they know he's coming? Like, is the house as clean as, I mean, if the savior of mankind were to come over, you're like, you're, it's a bit of a stress factor, but he's in the house and, and you've got one person who's like, oh, we're going to have a killer dinner. And can you imagine Martha in the kitchen? It wouldn't have been quiet. <laughs> no, the pans would have been extra loud that day, I think. I don't know if you live with someone or been around someone who has the, the skill set of huffing and puffing louder than the average human being, and it has nothing to do with getting air into their lungs. It's so that you'll notice them. No? No one else? Okay. Uh, but at least that's what I envision. I mean, it's not in the Bible, but it's what I envision that, that she's in the kitchen, and she's making noise because she wants someone to notice and to help out. See, Martha was clinging to the demands of life. And maybe this is where you're at. Maybe this would describe your marriage right now. Where your marriage, you don't have time for each other because life has demands. <laughs> and the schedules, who needs to be where they need to be and when, who, who's crying the loudest, who's being the loudest, who pays your paycheck. Oh, they're all like speaking into your life. You're like, I got demands. What do you want me to do? exactly what Martha's doing. If I don't make dinner, who's going to make dinner? If, if I don't do all these dishes, who's going who's to do the dishes? These are the demands of life. But you notice there's two people in the story doing different things. Let me, let me show you the difference. Mary was clinging to the priorities of life. Now, just so you know, this story is not a story Go finally, I don't have to do the dishes. Finally. Finally, we're just not going to eat. I don't know. That's not, that's not the point of the story. It really happened. But, but see, there was a priority list. Yes, yes, someone needed to make the food and clean the dishes, right? But they weren't on the top of the priority list. See, many of us right now, this is how we live. We let life's demands tell us what we're going to do next. And if you want to know if your marriage is weak right now or complacent, if you want to know why life doesn't seem to be unfolding in a way that you wish it would, perhaps it's as simple as your priorities have now been determined by life, not by you. And I find it conversation after conversation with married folks. 
it starts off as a priority issue. So let me ask you, what are you clinging to the most? I mean, there's an answer for this. Every one of us, married or single, whatever, you have an answer for this. And in short, in summary, you're either clinging to the demands of life, you're letting life just tell you what to do, or you've got a priority. You're like, oh, David, I'll tell you what I do first and second and third. And of course, the pastor brought up, and it's supposed to be God first. (laughs) But let me point out something that a coach taught me. It's called me, we, he. Very very simple, but but I think it'll help us. Uh, If you have a me problem, like where it's just it's just you. It, it's it's not them. It's you. Maybe when you wake up each day, you just struggle. Going, what's the meaning of today? What's the value of today? Or I'm just down. Or I'm just discontent. Or, or I'm just angry. I'm frustrated. If every day you wake up and have to tell everybody around you, yeah, I'm just in a bad mood. But that's every day, or at least 75% of your week. Uh, you have a me issue. And the resolution is not that everyone around you gets all perfect and stuff that you're demanding. It's that you reconnect and cling to God, he, him. That's your, that's your main issue. That's your first step, your next step, is that you reconnect to God, that you cling to God. If you're having a bad day, the first thing you and I ought to do every single time is immediately cling to God. If you're having this issue, where it does involve them, whoever them is, it's the group of we, and you're like, no, they're the problem. And they may be a part of it. But maybe the solution is not that that other person say they're sorry. Maybe it's not that that other person become all of a sudden the most amazing spouse. Maybe it's where you as a couple, rather than coming together and agreeing to disagree or whatever, maybe it's where you as a couple come together and cling to God. Let me me be very, very vulnerable with you. Katie and I have... Days, sometimes weeks, I even call it a season where we look back and say, we were pretty much just roommates, disconnected from each other. Sometimes it was because of how we were communicating with each other, but, but more often than not, it was a personal thing where, where maybe I remember one particular season and I, would just, I was just emotionally spent, you know? I was just tired of making an effort emotionally with anyone, including my marriage. And my wife is perceptive, and so here's what she did. I remember the phone conversation. She's like, hey, why don't you go, why don't you go rent a cabin in the hills? She said cabin, not tent, because she knows me. I don't go tent. <laughs> but I've got a friend who was like, hey, hey, I'll hook you up with the, uh, the cabin just for you just so I went spent a couple days first day was miserable I mean I'm introverted but not that introverted then the next day came and was just spending time reading listening to God praying just having and my soul began to get back to where it was clinging to God I had other issues and and stuff that I was trying to process but I began to just cling to God naturally cling to God came back and my marriage benefited from it See, I'm going to tell you that if, you, if all of a sudden you find yourself with a marriage that's not what you think it should be, then the first step, cling to God. It's not fix them. It's cling to God. Jesus spoke this himself. I'll show it to you. Seek the kingdom of God 
above all else. If you're like, what's that? Make God your top priority. Cling to him. If at any moment in life you're like, I'm struggling, I'm questioning, I'm concerned, we aren't agreeing, cling to God. Seek the kingdom of God above everything. And live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So step, if you're going to prioritize, step one is you cling to God. But you remember that wasn't the only thing. What will you cling to? There's another part. What will you not go near? This is what many people get in trouble for. I don't know if you've ever had a friend who all of a sudden there was someone went where they weren't supposed to go. And they're like, I don't know what happened. Well, it's because they weren't clinging to the right thing. But then they, they also hadn't locked in. What, what will I not go near? The Bible gives us a very pointed, extremely pointed warning on this. And this is the second part of prioritizing because it's not just what you cling to, which is the most important, but you've got to decide as a couple, what are we not going near? Not because what that is is a sin or even necessarily bad, but we're just not going to go near to that because that affects us clinging to God. Even though it's a very long passage it's worth reading about the pointed warning from God himself the lips of a seductive woman are oh so sweet her soft words are oh so smooth but it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth a pain in your gut a wound in your heart she's dancing down the primrose path to death she's headed straight for hell and taking you with her she hasn't a clue about real life about who she is or where she's going. So my friend, listen closely. Don't treat my words casually. Keep your distance from such a woman of absolutely stay out of her neighborhood. You don't want to squander your wonderful life to waste your precious life among the hard-hearted. Why should you allow strangers to take advantage of you? Why be exploited by those who care nothing for you? You don't want to end your life full of regrets, Nothing but sin and bone saying, oh, why didn't I do what they told me? Why did I reject a disciplined life? Why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? I've lost count of how many people have told me this line. They didn't know they were quoting scripture. They were just revealing something about their current life that they felt my life is ruined. I haven't one blessed thing to show for my life. If you don't want to have to say that for yourself, especially your marriage, that it's not just about what you cling to, but it's about the guardrails you're going to set up. I mean, there's things that Katie and I have sat face to face and we have decided together rules for us. Not because it's necessarily bad, but, but I want to put guardrails so I don't get close to bad. I've been married for 15 years, and I love my bride more than ever before. I want to always be able to tell you that from this stage. So I set up guardrails. And again, I stole the idea from the Bible. First Corinthians, very simple, be on guard. Many couples are not on guard. They just think that, oh, we're fine. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. 
So is this just a sermon on how to not be divorced? No. I mean, that's not the point. I mean, if you if you want to if you're going marriage, it's like you know what I just want to I just want it to last. Mm, I think you can do better now. Is this just a point of okay we cling what we cling to what we stay away from? Okay, we go back and forth. Okay, is this just so we don't fight a whole lot? No, no, no. There's a deeper issue at hand. I'll tell you the deeper issue, and then I need to show you something. Whatever you fill your life with becomes your overflow. Very simple. So when I tell you that you got to pay attention to what you're clinging to and you got to pay attention to what you're not going near because whatever you pour into yourself, whatever is, is invested into you doesn't stay there with you. You spill it out. In fact, if you've ever had a conversation, maybe you've told this to somebody yourself where you've been like, you know what, I just feel empty. I would say you're probably not empty. You just are being filled with the wrong thing. Uh, I'm, I'm a visual person. Uh, you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, but here's how I want you to see it. I want you to see this. I want you to see this is not just marriage. This is life. But let's pretend you're this beautiful Valentine's Day flower vase. And you and I think life is just like this. And many of us crave, we're like, that's what I want life to be like just want to be full. That's not how life works. This is a nice uh, nursery rhyme, like garbage in, garbage out. But life works more like whatever you're filling with just does this. This is life nonstop. This is how life works. So it's more important about what you're actually filling yourself up with because it's going to overflow. It is going to overflow. You and I are not good enough to say, I'm not going to affect that person negatively, but I, that person I will. We're not good enough. We have to understand that whatever we invest in ourselves overflows. So whatever you're clinging to is spilling out all over people around you. If you're not clinging to God, if you're clinging to something else that's spilling out all over, you are affecting the people you work with, the people that you spend time with, your friends, your family, and especially your spouse. So when I tell you, okay, here's the secret to prioritizing, cling to God, because if you don't cling to God, you are letting something that's not perfect become your overflow. Meanwhile, God's like, let, let me lead your life. So I want you thinking about, what have you been clinging to the most? If you're willing to be honest, it might be as simple as entertainment. <laughs> or maybe it's the needs that you have financially. Or maybe it's a medical thing. And you're like, I'm clinging to fear. Or that's gripping me. But maybe this can be a moment, huh? Maybe this can be a direct word from God for you and I that we would say, okay, I've not been clinging to the right thing. Okay, okay. But that's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us is that, okay, what we've been clinging to doesn't have to be what we cling to for the rest of our lives. We can actually choose right now in this moment. We can't make our marriages perfect, but we can begin to make them healthy. It's all about what you're clinging to. So maybe that's what this moment is set up for us. Maybe that's why you came to be a part of church or watch it online or wherever you're at. Maybe that's why God drew us together was that you and I would lean in and say, I think I might be clinging to the wrong person or the wrong thing. Yeah, it's a marriage conversation, but it's bigger than that. So let's go to God. Let's cling to God. So 
do this with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Especially if you're married. No matter how you've been leading yourself up to this point, no matter how good of a person you're married to, no matter how at odds you are or maybe how gelled together you are, perhaps you'll lean in now and be like, God, I want to cling to you. If you're single and, and you're hoping one day to be married, perhaps now you'll consider that clinging to God now sets your marriage up for success. Or maybe it's outside of the topic of marriage. Let God speak to you. Listen to him and apply it. God, I love you. God, we love you as a church. You are absolutely amazing. You deserve every song we could ever sing to you, every compliment we could ever give you, but God, you deserve even a life, our life, devoted to you. God, I pray for all the marriages now who have priorities out of whack. Pray for all the other folks who are in a different season of life who have out of whack priorities. God, would you realign them? Help us to cling to you daily, that throughout the day, throughout the evening, that we would cling to you. God, would you draw that to our attention give us the wisdom and discernment on how to do that and the grace that we need. God, we love you. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would begin to heal us. That you would heal our relationships, that you would heal us as individuals. We choose to cling to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.